Welcome to another episode of Ideas Digest with me, Conrad, and I'm also with Brooke. Hello, it's me. <laughs> I've got Brooke for the introduction again. It might be a regular thing. We're still still feeling things out. So far, the chemistry's good, and it's good on the radio too. Uh, get it? Double entendre there. A little crickets, cricketing mm. right now. <laughs> well, I guess we're working on podcast banter. But I got Brooke on because I would like her to introduce the next guest that we're going to be talking to on this episode. So Brooke, who is it and what do they do? The lady that's on the podcast today is from America and she is a feminine wholeness coach. I had seen a lot of her stuff online and one of my friends had actually done some coaching with her just around finding freedom with, uh, I guess, you know, growing up in a Christian church, sometimes there can be purity culture, um, religious baggage around being a woman and sexiness and pleasure. The word pleasure is still a massive trigger word for me, actually, now that I say it. But she's definitely stepped into that space with a lot of boldness and she is there to encourage women and empower women to take their sexy and sacred back. I met her a couple of weeks ago in Byron Bay photographing her feminine wholeness retreat. She calls a Sophia retreat. She is so sincere. She's really earnest. She's fun, playful, um, inclusive, really non-judgmental, very sexy. <laughs> really? Yes. She's like so good at just being embodied and being connected to her body and I could connect with her really well because I could see the vulnerability in what she was doing and I could see that this is a journey that she's been on herself towards being more whole and being more connected to herself and, and being not afraid of her body. I really, really enjoyed my time with her and I'm really glad that you got to meet her. All of this language and feminine wholeness and ways of speaking, I have never come across it. And I thought, this is interesting. So I went to Sydney and I sat down with her. And in short, we spoke about the intersection between Christianity and seduction. So hopefully you enjoy this episode. Oh my goodness. I'm excited to listen. I haven't heard it yet. So let's press play. Here we go. I'm right and you're wrong. Once you start labeling people, categorizing of humans and ideas, you have desensitized yourself to the humanity of that other human being, to who they really are. And in the marketplace of ideas, these things are complicated, man. We all need to engage with a variety of viewpoints. A genuine multicultural connection with another. I mean, sometimes you don't need to agree or disagree. You just need to sit with it and digest. Hello, welcome to Ideas Digest with me, Conrad. I'm sitting in a, hmm, how to describe this room? How Dark. to describe this room? It's a, either quite romantic or high-end adult. <laughs> yeah, high-end adult. We all know what we mean by high-end adult, yes. Yeah, high-end adult film. Um, I'm, I'm sitting with Morgan Day Cecil. Is mm -hmm. that the correct pronunciation Perfect. of your name? Okay, great. Thank you for joining me. I'm so excited to be here. I want to learn a little bit about you and your background and, and where you come from. How good are you at answering the question? It's not a question, it's, it's a request. Tell me about yourself. I'm horrible at answering. Me too. Yeah. Good. Okay. I thought it was just me. So I'll be more specific. You're from America. You've mm -hmm. come over to Australia for a brief while mm -hmm. doing some workshops on... Leading a retreat on feminine wholeness. 
cool. And before we get into exactly what that is, tell me where you're from. Yeah. Your upbringing, your background. Okay. And everything leading up to this point now. Okay. I'll be brief so we're not sitting in this <laughs> room, <laughs> this beautiful, sexy room <laughs> all day. So I am from the Pacific Northwest of the United States. So I was born in California, but now I live in Oregon, Portland, Oregon. And my upbringing, I was not raised religious, but I was raised with a high awe and respect for art and science. So my dad is an artist, an inventor, a very creative person. And I remember just growing up with a lot of awe and respect for the natural world mm -hmm. and also what human beings create in the world through art. When you're growing up non-religious, was there a specific ideology label attached to it or when you asked the big questions what was the right I remember being in grade school and people were talking about church and their religion and I didn't know what mine was so I went home and I asked my mom and she's like well I guess Christian loosely Christian so kind of like cultural context mm -hmm. like our United States of America is Christian, predominantly yep. Christian and so but I had no idea really what that meant my my mom would say prayers to me at night like little nursery rhyme prayers like now I lay me down to sleep I pray the Lord my soul to keep and so I grew up praying every night but I never went to church so there was an element of spirituality and God in the home but there was no dogma or doctrine did you ever ask questions like what happens when you die yes I mean I was a very philosophical child mm -hmm. and still am and I would always wonder and ponder about that. And one of my favorite memories is just staying up late with my dad and we would make like chocolate sundaes and just talk about the universe. And just, it was never an answer. Mm -hmm. It was always like a question. Cool. And so we would have conversations like, what if? And what about this? And so it felt really big, like the mystery was safe. And how did you feel? when you ask those questions were you okay with the uncertainty yeah this is your personally okay? yeah cool. i think it has a lot to do with like how it was delivered like mm -hmm. there wasn't any fear in the mystery there wasn't any fear mm -hmm. in the unknown or it wasn't a bad thing to not have certainty it was a beautiful exciting mm -hmm. thing that we get to engage with and so i could see like the, the light in my dad's eyes like it would just light up with the big questions it's yeah. probably the opposite to my christian upbringing so. yeah and the opposite of my husband's upbringing too because so your husband is he was raised pentecostal mm -hmm. the only answer is the answer that you find in the bible literally yeah and so the questions and the uncertainty was not safe mm -hmm. to journey down what's been your study and work life my undergraduate degree is in philosophy and i studied um, western philosophy i was really excited about um the project of Hegel and um, Hertelin and I just always love the big questions but what I found in the German idealist they were phenomenologists and so they were really curious about the felt sense of being human and the poetics of the river and the, the realness like of language to create our um, it's not just like a metaphor for something, but there actually is something being spoken into existence through words and through poetry. Mm. And I was captivated by that even before I read John. Mm -hmm. So this was like a light bulb moment because I didn't become a Christian until I was 30. And when I read John for the first time, and the Bible book of John. Yes, yeah, okay. yes, thanks I was like, for I clarifying. Heard of this okay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the book of John, the Gospel of John, and it said, In the beginning was the Word, mm. and the Word was with God. And the word was God. 
like the word is logos and I had studied logos and I was in love with logos. And so it became a lie for me. It's like the word made flesh, the logos made flesh. And so without getting too nerdy, I don't want to get too nerdy, (laughs) but yeah, I was way into philosophy, way into just the, the thinking about what it means to be human and how do we live a meaningful, beautiful life. And you would say that that philosophy background when you encountered the Bible yeah it came alive it came alive for me wow I grew up in the church I'm only after many years of looking more into philosophical ideas seeing the same thing but before that it was like just a it sounds very harsh to say but like a dead literal book it was just oh yep here's the story that's the way it is there's Noah's Ark there's animals on it that's just it Uh, and so you uh, studied that yeah, so after undergraduate, um, I traveled a lot and then had some life experiences. <laughs> we won't go into all of those. Then it brought me back to wanting to study more, and I chose the path of um, a master's degree in Eastern philosophy because actually I had studied abroad in Australia for a year and learned how to meditate. Mm, There was a group at uni that were teaching meditation and I was just game for it all. I was like, teach me everything. And so that really changed my world. But I had an encounter with love through meditation. I had a deep, deep compassion for other people through meditation like I had such a love for humanity and just like how hard it is to be human sometimes but how beautiful it is that we keep showing up Mm. and keep trying so through meditation it opened my my world up to this inner life that was really deep and um, heart-centered and it not only really served me because I had dealt with a history of depression and anxiety experienced a lot of pain around that and just also in my family a history of depression and anxiety so this felt like a real tool for me Mm. on a practical level and and also just like wow I just felt in love with God and being in the present moment so I became addicted to that feeling of wanting more of that and so that's why I chose to study Eastern philosophy Mm -hmm. and get a master's in that thinking that that would lead me more into that experience but it was funny because that whole year of getting my master's degree I partied so much (laughs) very little meditation was happening but a Mm -hmm. lot of papers were being written about meditation so different experience altogether and now you're a feminine wholeness coach yes how did you get into that I didn't like the vibe that I knew more than someone else. Like I always really respected that we each had our own wisdom and we carried that and we could learn from each other. And so that the vibe you kind of see maybe on internet marketing and Instagram even is like, I'm the expert and let me teach you and show you how to live your best life. And that turned me off. I didn't want to call myself a coach. And so I just started off online creating courses and sharing my courses with people. And then that led, you know, As I got older and wiser and felt like I could really help one-on-one, I did the training, lots Mm -hmm. of training. And now I feel somewhat comfortable calling myself a coach. I think maybe mentor is a better fit. But Mm -hmm. What is feminine wholeness? I think the heart of it is embodiment. Like how do we really show up in our own bodies, belong to ourself as women, and then show up in the world fully embodied? 
not being afraid of all parts of us. And so we have a deep spirituality just by nature being women. I think we're just really connected to the divine. But also we have a sensuality to us and a sexuality that's really important, just about being human. And regardless if you grew up in the church or not, like what I've experienced in my own path, there has been this divide in us between what feels like it's safe and what feels like it's okay to belong and then what isn't okay. And so I really want to help women feel that integration, that they can belong to all parts of themselves and specifically the spirituality and their sexuality. What is that divide that you sense that you try and Mm. reconnect? I think there's just shame. There is a lot of shame about being an embodied, sensual, even sexual woman. And there's a lot of confusion on what a healthy sexuality looks like. And there's, I mean, in America there is, and maybe even here in Australia, there is the the purity culture, mm-hmm. like push, um, that really informed a lot of women about what it was, what was okay and what was not okay. And they took on, a, women took on a lot of guilt and responsibility to be responsible, quotes, quotes, for a man's lust by how they dressed mm-hmm. and how they behaved. And that trickled down even if you weren't a part of the church, because I definitely got those messages too, just being a part of that culture. So shame is at the heart of that divide. We're kind of approaching your area mm-hmm. of expertise. I want to talk about some ideas that you've had personally mm-hmm. that you've either found or come across or read that have become a part of you and changed how you see the world and how you interact with other people. Because what happens is we always are coming across different ideas, whether we're aware of them or not. We might get them from messaging and marketing, TV, movies. What you were just saying before about the messaging of purity culture that says as a woman you need to be this. And Mm -hmm. if a man lusts, that's your fault. Um, That's a messaging that many women might not be aware of. What idea for you that you've come to Mm -hmm. accept has shaped Mm -hmm. the way you see the world or helped you in, help you live and interact in the world better. And just to, you know, grab people's attention because um, we're programmed for sensationalism Mm -hmm. right now. Mm -hmm. if, If you can, if you can tell me, what your idea is in a real clickbaity, buzzfeedy type of title that you'd scroll past on Facebook that would definitely get a bunch of comments and <laughs> hate and arguments on it. Okay, I think I got one for you. Okay. This Christian woman teaches seduction as a spiritual practice. Would yeah. you click on that? Oh, when you're scrolling, anything to do with sex, I feel like most people would click on, like hence that, why right? it's in, in the marketing. So just say it one more time for me. This Christian woman teaches seduction as a spiritual practice. Oh, seduction <laughs> as a spiritual practice. No way. No way. That's not possible. Okay. Tell me a little bit more okay, about the right. idea. And if you can, like, define some of the terms you're using, sure. like seduction and yeah. spiritual practice and things like yeah. that. So tell me, now make it, when you click the article, it's actually not as outrageous as we realized it was or was maybe right. hoping for. Give us a bit more on it. Seduction is one of those words that is so triggering. Yes. And we have a lot of association with what 
that word means. And I think like it might mean dangerous. Yeah. It means a woman who is using her power to manipulate, mm. you know, just these ideas. Impurity. That, impurity. Yeah. There's something really dark and seedy and almost like evil about it. Like, like maybe non-consensual as far as, yeah. oh, she seduced me. Right? I didn't want it's to. It's like, oh, I had no power. Like she it was almost yeah. like she's like. Magical power. Right. I'm fascinated by words. So the meaning of seduction, the Latin of it actually means to draw away, to draw aside. How I discovered that was I was studying the word delight because delight is one of those like words for me that just have been like a huge motif in my life. Like what does it mean to delight as a woman? Mm. And delight actually means to draw or lure away as well. So there's a connection between delight and seduction. And delight, though, we think of as childlike, innocent, joyful, playful, right? But seduction we think of as bad, dark, mm -hmm. dangerous. And so I was really curious why these two words, and they're Latin, actually have a lot in common, but they've diverged in terms of how we relate to them. Personally, why that term seduction was really important and relevant is I remember being um, a preteen girl, so just becoming a woman. And there was an older man, and he said something offhandedly that just never left me. And he basically said if a woman wanted to get ahead in life, in the world, that she should use her sexual attraction in her body. Mm. And that smart women use seduction to get what they want. And that idea appalled me, mm. and, it, and it like disgusted me, and I shied away from it altogether. And so it really shut me down in terms of like, okay, I recognize there's something powerful an embodied woman and just being a woman and her connection to her sensuality and sexuality but I'm also terrified of it because that seems so evil and bad like I would never want to use power to power over someone else and also it deprived me of my sense of like wholeness and a sense that my worth was more than my body and that I had something to offer more than just whatever came next after I seduced mm. someone and so I was really afraid of it and afraid of that power within me and so it affected how I showed up in the world like when I became a woman I felt really shy and shut down if a man would look at me or I didn't know how to have a conversation I just felt scared all the time really mm -hmm. about being an embodied sensual woman because there's a part of you that if to seduce is evil you have to control it and you don't yeah. want to be manipulating anybody and you want to be right. very aware and conscious of right it made me feel that my worth was only my mm. body if i wasn't willing to seduce and use my body to get ahead then i was basically not going to get anywhere in life and so you know, I wasn't going to get anywhere in life because mm. I wasn't willing to, to go down that path. Because it but seems like the unspoken part of this whole seduction and women having this power to seduction, it seems it's never spoken, but it is really entirely physical, entirely on appearance. Entirely. And so there was something underneath what he was pointing to that was very real because I could also see it in the world in women. There was a certain power that women had, um, but it was also like the way he described it and the way that he was interpreting it was a perverted way and it was it it made it dark really mm. and so learning what seduction you know actually means it's like money it, it is a power and it could be used for good or for harm mm -hmm. it could be used in service of love capital l or it could be used in service of fear and i understand the history of why women 
had to use maybe their bodies or their mm -hmm. sexual attraction in order to even just survive. Because we have to remember it's in such recent times that women even had the right to belong to themselves, that we weren't someone else's property, yeah. that we really did rely on our fathers or our husbands to provide for us. And if we didn't have their protection, we were in danger of our very life. And so I understand how that came to be is just like a part of what we needed to do to survive. And it's a sad part of our history mm. of being woman. But what else could it mean if it's somehow connected to delight and it means to draw aside and how this all came together is that when I first started falling in love with Christianity, it was through the door of the Christian mystics. And there is a saint, Saint Catarina di Siena, and I lived in Siena for a year and I read her poetry and there's a line in it that captivated my heart. And she said, I have seen what you want, it is there, a beloved of infinite tenderness. And this idea that God is this beloved and studying more of my faith, recognizing Christ is the beloved. And we, we hear, at least in the evangelical circles I used to swim in, how God woos you and how God courts you. And so there's this element of seduction by God, that there is a holy seduction. And if we take that meaning to draw aside, it's like we are being drawn aside from the darkness and the lies of the world into something holy. So that made me curious, like, wow, this power in me that I've only been taught is, is bad. What, what if it was actually good? And what, what might that look like? And how do I relate to it from that place? Mm. So when you use the word God, yeah. what are you referring to? Well, <laughs> the poetic way would be love with the capital L. But for me and my spiritual walk, it's the Trinity, you know, Father, Son, Holy Spirit the creator of all things, the sacred in all things. The know. source that everything source. kind of comes from. Yes. And if, if you were to say how you experience God when you're talking about that, how you, would you've kind of used the word love a couple of times. Is love synonymous with when you use the word yeah, God? Yeah, it is. And I feel it very, actually very sensually. I feel a presence that is a very tender presence. I think that's why that line from... The poem by Santa Catarina meant so much to me. It's like, yes, my, the real experience I have with God, aside from whatever I've been taught or whatever I've, whatever I've read in the Bible or from heard from other Christians, my real experience of God is a very sensual, very tender, very loving presence. Interesting when you're using words like sensual and seduction and these words synonymous with sexuality and sex my ingrained reaction from just my upbringing is always very like oh ugh, ugh, i don't can't ugh, can't mm. say that <laughs> like i don't i wouldn't maybe maybe you don't mean sensual maybe you mean embodied you know there's that there's that whole like yeah. but then when you th when you think about it that's the reaction of one culture so they might hear this idea so i'm speaking as maybe people from a Christian background hearing this idea would be very adverse to the idea of introducing sexual language when describing... Yeah, but it's already there. We, if we look at the Bible, you're right. <laughs> it's, it's, yeah, it's already and, well within mm -hmm. the whole history I mean, of the tradition. I mean, the song is and the song is song. So, but also, I, I sometimes laugh when I was in church and the, the songs that we would sing, the, if you just broke it down, the language <laughs> of the songs is pretty erotic. Like, a, <laughs> like, spoiler alert, there's a lot of sex in the Bible yeah. that in my, in my church, we just kind of flick through real quick. Yeah. Uh, don't worry about that. <laughs> but then we sing it like we're and yeah. we're singing to God. But there is this 
in loveness, mm-hmm. right? And mm-hmm. we can't forget that in loveness is also about sex. It's eros, mm-hmm. you know, in the Greek, erotic comes from eros, love. Mm-hmm. And there is this erotic nature to God. Sounds like there is a part of love that seems to be ignored and left out, and particularly within the Christian tradition, completely pushed to the side. Yeah. And your using language that reintroduces it to enrich the whole love experience like when you when when i love my wife people will assume just because i said my wife that it's not a she's my bro yeah homie platonic love right there's a whole lot of other connectedness and sex and intimacy and love and all of that are all part of love yes so why have we removed that from our uh quote-unquote spiritual right and if you are if you are someone who is devoted to God or walks that path or longs to walk that path. Like what you desire is intimacy. Mm -hmm. Not growing up in the church, I didn't have a background to draw from. All I had was my present moment and how God was wooing me. And they, my mentors, my spiritual elders would talk about how God woos us. And I'm like, yes, I know. I feel it. Mm -hmm. Because you said in your clickbait title, Christian as a Christian spiritual practice. Yes. What does that mean? Well, I'm definitely not inventing anything new. I mean, the, the Christian mystics are, have a very sensual, erotic relationship with God. So all you have to do is like read, mm-hmm. read the Christian mystics poetry and words. But for me, what it means is not keeping my spiritual practice to like a 20 minute Bible app reading in the morning. Mm-hmm. It means going out into the world and being present and being really aware of the beauty the truth and the goodness all around me and so we talk about god being beauty truth and goodness and so i look for that in the natural world and in people and within myself and that is part of like my spiritual practice is to become so mindful of where god is showing up through my senses and the gift that we get to experience love through our senses Mm. what's the benefit for you when reintroducing sexual language back into the vocabulary? Sexual language is always very much embodied language. And that's something that I feel like is missing from the conversation is embodied Mm -hmm. language. Like what do we really mean when we talk about God? Mm -hmm. What do we really mean by connecting to him? And so it's so visceral, Mm -hmm. right? So we get it at a deep primal level. And I think we have to bring our primalness to the conversation and to our experience or else it's just so it's so up there it's so in our heads we we don't get to really integrate it or apply it how has your kind of outlook and view on the world changed Mm, i'm less afraid yeah i'm less afraid to belong to the world belong to god to belong to my own body and that what do you mean by belong to your own mm, body what i'm feeling right now is you know and i think about that question is just that i'm not this brain in a box, mm-hmm. but my consciousness dwells through all of my cells, mm. through the whole, all of my bones and the flesh in me, and that's good. I, I do feel a sense of being very grounded and the ability to be present, mm-hmm. because I um, there's a deep calm in that belonging to self. Mm. It's almost this reintegration of the body into when you're in a, a Christian worldview salvation and all of this religiosity generally dwells within the intellect so when you talk to somebody and say what do you believe they're going to tell you a 
bunch of words that'll say, well, I believe that Jesus is the son of God. I believe these things. And they're going to, they're going to use words. You're going to talk about doctrine. You're going to talk about abstractions, Mm -hmm. but it sounds kind of like what you're saying is to belong to yourself is to reintroduce yourself as not just the intellectual abstractions where we exist in all the time, but also the part of us that is sitting the the often like, I guess, boring part where you're just like, Oh, why would I want to, why would I want to be present? I'm just sitting down. Uh huh. Um, totally. And this was revolutionary for me, maybe because I did have that bent towards philosophy and abstract ideas. And it was really safe for me to live in my head mm. and to create in that imaginal realm, which is so powerful and magical. Like that was where it was safe because my body didn't feel safe. I mean, there was, you know, backstory to all that. You know, I was a woman who experienced rape and sexual abuse. And so my body wasn't safe. Mm. And so that imaginal realm of ideas was someplace that I could hang out and it was okay. So it was a learning process for me to learn how to belong to my body and that it was safe to belong to my body. And this is the gift of the feminine. I would say like we need the masculine and the feminine aspects of the divine. We are more comfortable with the masculine aspect, which is Mm -hmm. the spirit. It's the, it's the, the world of ideas. It's the up and out and beyond us. Right. And we even think of heaven and God as we look upwards, Mm. but there's another aspect to God. That's the feminine aspect of God. That is matter, earthiness, groundedness, Mm. like right here, right now. And it's down and in, it's the inner world. It's the rootedness of being close to the earth and belonging here and now so that feminine aspect of god is something that i wasn't taught growing up most women weren't taught that growing up and it's something i've learned over time through an embodied experience Mm. everyone has their own definitions for it so when you use the word feminine people will potentially initially think women Mm -hmm. but you're expanding the the term feminine to be presence connectedness being aware of your body what's happening and so what made you so unsafe as a woman to be embodied and accept yourself i'm glad you brought that up because feminine energy and masculine energy live in each of us Mm -hmm. and it lives in all things i mean this is the beauty of like the polarity that creates so there is feminine energy in men Mm-hmm. And connecting to that is really an important part of their healing journey too. So in the second part of your question, are you wondering what made me not feel safe? Yeah, I guess what are the factors of you going through your life, uh, experiencing it as a woman, yeah. have led you to be so unsafe yeah. within yeah. when you what we would call embodiment? I think two things. One, a physical danger, you know, the of rape and experiencing that and also but the the spiritual rape of being like sexualized you mm. know of like being an object and mm. you can see that and you can feel that wow and that's so, an interesting way of putting it spiritual yeah, rape, yeah yeah also the fear of judgment from other women because wow. that is like you are an outcast a woman who is fully alive fully embodied and essentially happy and <laughs> just she's not always welcomed in the circle of women and so there is a loss of connection there and that's pretty lonely why do you think that is it's easier for me to understand the objectification that occurs Mm -hmm. Uh, sex sells it's all it's an economically driven model that this sells so let's just objectify objectify now we see it slowly happening to men as well if we can Mm -hmm. objectify men as equally as women we can sell as much stuff Mm -hmm. but talk to me a little bit more about that that next part if we haven't redeemed it in ourself if we haven't really 
come to relationship with it in ourself and let it belong. So that sensuality piece, that sexual power piece in ourself, it is terrifying to see it fully lived out uh-huh. in someone else right. because it's um, awakening something deep in the subconscious mind. Like, remember, that's part of you too. And you may, or, you know, a woman may or may not be ready to encounter mm. that in herself. And so she pushes it away. It's so much easier to push something away than mm-hmm. to dare to bring it close and to examine it and to just, you know, not that you have to, agree or take on but like be willing to bring it close enough to have that encounter um takes a lot of courage this is what you are teaching and coaching now yes is how to embody how to reconnect with the part of yourself that you might have might have been shamed down you yes neglected neglected yes how Um, how have you found navigating almost the different worlds that you encounter there's the secular world of over fetishizing sex Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. and then there's the religious world that over fears sex and over fears um, the feminine like this churches still resist the idea of female pastors female leadership how have you navigated that minefield of (laughs) different cultural norms and how have you how have you found yourself and and some of the ideas that you're bringing forward have you found that received by the different worlds that you Mm -hmm. inhabit have you found a lot of resistance oh yeah there's a lot of receptivity in the secular world for what i'm doing it's the christian world that i think there's a lot of people inside that christian faith my christian faith that are Um, on this journey of deconstruction, reconstruction, and figuring out what it means to embody an authentic spirituality for themselves. And they're ready for this. But there is some people in the Christian world that think I am um, the devil. (laughs) Dangerous woman. When you're talking about deconstruction, so you're talking about people within the Christian faith that have grown up in it, like myself, that question the framework and going, hang on, th- this isn't quite big enough. Why do we yeah. exclude this? Why Why is, does this happen? So, And that's what you're finding within the Christian world. A lot of yeah. those people are quite receptive. Right, because our consciousness, we are awakening and it's exciting. And it's like this expansion of the universe. Like there's an expansion happening in humanity too in our in our own way of seeing and being able to hold contradictions. Like mm-hmm. we're able, we're, we're more and more capable of doing that. Uh, coming to the end what i found is when you get it if, if you're lucky enough to get an answer you get five more questions yeah what has this led you to ask and think about the more that i learn the more open i am and the older i get the more i don't know i don't know how it all fits together for me being doing the work that i am doing that is so out there and i'm posting sexy selfies on my instagram and i don't know the line is is that too much you know like there's <laughs> there's a real questions that i'm really drawing near to god to kind of walk day by day with it but i'm entering into territory where there isn't really any models there isn't anything yeah. Like this is the right way to do it. So I don't know the right way to do it. I'm putting my hands in quotes as if there is a right way. So I'm really, I feel very humbled on this walk and this journey and really aware that I could be getting it so wrong and I might turn like 60 or 70 and be like, what did you do? Your ass is online in so many places. <laughs> so what I go back to is that I don't know if this is too much or not, but I know that there's walls that need to be broken down. And if I need to be like the the crazy one, you know, doing more of that work to like make way for others, like 
I have that ability. Like I have that courage inside and the the desire and the faith that it is okay. Mm. <laughs> so we'll we'll see where it ends up, Conrad. Talk to me in a couple of years. Yeah, all right, that's good. <laughs> so often when we come across ideas, we come across like concepts, we latch onto them and we have a strong overwhelming tendency to say, this is it. Mm-hmm. And uh, it's interesting to hear you say at the end, this might be it. Yeah. This Some of this might be it. I think what's important is that we're all learning and we are like kids and, and childlike in our sense of like, let's explore this. Let's see what what tool it can be and 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 then as soon as that tool is not useful anymore we can we can let it go we don't Mm. need to grasp so hard but if it's serving people if it's actually bringing about freedom for yourself or for other women like let's use it yeah yeah that's a good metric to to go on when you kind of go to the subjective metric is it working for you is it empowering you is it leading you to more freedom more openness more wholeness fruits of the spirit Um, right there i mean that's when i first became a christian i was like okay well this is all we need to know if it's a christian practice or not if the practice is bringing you that Mm. do more of it yeah when it stops bringing you that like let it go Mm. where can people learn more about either the idea that you're talking about yeah and where can they follow your work i think the most like present current is uh, happening right now on instagram you know yep. that's i'm posting pretty frequently on there i'm sharing this journey and sharing a lot about the intersection of spirituality and sexuality through the practice of taking a sexy selfie so uh-huh. um that's on instagram they can learn a lot and you are at at morgan day cecil so c-e-c-i-l mm-hmm. was i wrong when i said cecil is it I like it, Cecil. Cecil. Yeah, Maybe so that's, that's actually, the Australian twang on that's it. That's the Australian and the English. So it's actually okay. from England, and that's how you appropriately oh, say it. You said it the right way, go. but the yeah. Yeah, Americans say Cecil. Uh, also, my website, morgandaycecil.com, that has some free resources on there, some practices that you can download. Um, and then on YouTube, I have guided meditations and feminine wholeness embodiment practices and some other videos that teach about feminine wholeness. Cool, and YouTube is Morgan Day Cecil as well. If you listen to this conversation, you're like, oh, what is feminine wholeness? What is the practical output of these mm-hmm. kinds of concepts? That's a Yeah. Also, Sophia retreats. So that's like the most like if you want to like a, a full bodied experience of feminine wholeness, it's um, the Sophia retreats and you can find out more at sophiaretreats.com what authors and yeah. different figures did you come across that kind of led you on this journey as well what who oh, so richard Rohr for sure yeah. and his counterpart at the center for action and contemplation cynthia bourgeau she wrote a book uh. called wisdom jesus that is a must read and also the meaning of mary magdalene which is all about conscious love thanks so much for joining me conrad thank you so much <laughs> thanks for listening Hopefully that gives you some new ideas to explore and a new perspective to think about. There's definitely some language and ways of speaking about God that kind of unfamiliar. I know they were unfamiliar for me. So if this has sparked any curiosity, just keep digging and exploring. I've linked Morgan's work and online resources in the show notes so you can have a look at more of her stuff there. And remember, it isn't about whether you agree or disagree. I mean, that's great. But It's more about asking questions. If you want to send in a topic idea, nominate a friend for me to have a chat with if they've got some interesting ideas that that they always talk to you about. Or if you have any questions, send us a message on Instagram or send me an email at ideasdigest at gmail.com. Ah, yes, Google. They'll steal your data, but boy, do they have great free email. 
this isn't an ad, but I guess I'm just practicing for, you know, one day the show could get sponsored. Fingers crossed. Or you can head to our website, which will hopefully be up and running by the time this launches, ideasdigest.com. Oh man, I hope I better, better lock down that domain name. Well, it'll, it'll be something similar to that. If you did enjoy the show, make sure you share it with anybody and everybody you have a conversation with. Hey, have you heard of this podcast? I don't listen to podcasts. That's weird. Everybody's listening to podcasts. That might be a conversation you have, but I'll, li- I'll leave the conversations up to you. Keep an eye out for our upcoming live events we hold each month at the Hubro in Newcastle, where you can come along, drink some damn good coffee, and hear us record a new episode. You can get involved in the show by asking questions and discussing the ideas that we talk about with other people that are just like you. I think that's it. So thanks for tuning in, and I will catch you next time. Goodbye.